Hello there and welcome to the She Laughs podcast. I am Katie and I am excited to share with you some encouragement today from Psalm 130 and a little story from my life about how God worked in my heart as my family and I navigated a really big decision. So I hope you enjoy this episode and I'm so glad you're here. Hi friends, I'm so delighted to be here with you today. I hope your day is going well. It's been a little weird in my neck of the woods. Um, I live in Southern California and in case you haven't seen on the news, the state is burning and it's it's really sad. Uh, the El Dorado fire is burning about two hours from where I live right now. Um, and it's making the atmosphere like gross and nasty. It's all like smoky and ashy, it's, it's really yucky. Um, but I do feel like it's one of those you gotta laugh or cry kind of deals because this particular fire was started at a gender reveal party. Maybe this is being widely reported on the news and I don't know about it. It might be old news to to you, but I just feel like this is gonna be a really awkward family story. You think you have skeletons in your closets. I mean, wow. In case you were curious, it's a boy. So I guess they use some kind of pyrotechnics to reveal the gender and Now there's a forest fire burning. So yeah, that's California today. Let's get started. Uh, I have a few things I want to accomplish today. First of all, I want to encourage you from Psalms 130. I'm, I'm just hoping that anyone who tunes in can always find something to walk away with to encourage them, that the Holy Spirit could use something that I say to encourage you. And he always uses scripture, so I feel like that's just a safe thing to go with. Psalm 130. Uh, the main theme is waiting on the Lord. And I don't know if you've ever been like puzzled by that terminology, maybe not, but I've had to wrestle with it. And I wanted to share with you how the Lord wove that theme into my life and how I kind of grasped what it means to wait on him. And my second hope is to kind of share with you a personal story and give you some context of what God is doing in my little family. And just in case you're just jumping in here, our family is joining a church planning team heading to Reno, Nevada. And the decision to go for that was kind of a big step of faith, um, especially for me. Uh, and that's the story I'm going to share with you today, how that all like came about. And I'm not doing this because I want to tell you about the grand sacrifices we're making. Oh my goodness, no. Anything we get to give back to the Lord, it's it's our reasonable service. Um, I'm sharing this because I know it is not a question in my mind. I know that if you're a follower, a follower of Christ, there's probably something that you too are being called to, your own step of faith. And sometimes deciding to obey and do something dangerous or risky, whether it's, you know, sharing the gospel with that friend you're just a little nervous about, or maybe taking a step of faith, like moving to a city you don't even have never heard about. (laughs) Sometimes doing things like that when God calls us to it, it's just a battle. It's hard to obey and we need God's help. And I am so burdened for women to know that small steps of obedience matter. And if you will live relying on the Lord's truth and not the comfort of your emotions, God can do so much in your heart and life and he can lead you into big steps of faith as you wait on him. Uh, I am no one special and God won in my heart as I waited for him to work and I know he can win out in yours too. So that's why I'm sharing this story with you. Um, I just, I'm really passionate for women to understand 
that God can work in them. If he can work in me, he can work in anyone. So let's do this. About four years ago, we were happily married, had a sweet little baby boy and a little girl on the way, but there was just something like bubbling, (laughs) this like itch to adventure and take a step of faith. I am personally pretty quick to throw the lid on bubbling cauldrons of faith because I'm not really into leaps of faith. I'm not really into steps of faith. And honestly, I have issues with like shuffles of faith. (laughs) I like comfort and safety, but that's not what God is about. He calls his children to much higher things. Anyways, I wanted to highlight my hair and Ulta was going to charge me an arm and a leg. So I called my husband and asked him if he was interested in forking out the money to do this. So I'm like, honey, I'm really sad. Ulta's going to charge me an arm and a leg for highlights. And he's like, I'm really sorry, love. I have some bad news for you, too. I got let go from my job today, which kind of makes me laugh. If you know my husband, this is so him. It takes so much to rock his boat. So (laughs) I'm like, as if those two elements of news have equal significance. Like, you lost your job. Oh, my goodness. Anyways, um, that just makes me laugh. I love my husband for his steady countenance and emotions. He's a great contrast to me. Uh, Let me just say, I want to be, it was so fun to watch the Lord protect Daniel's testimony. He was let go for an HR mistake. His manager fought to keep his job, um, but there was just nothing she could do. He had done something wrong that he had been trained to do, but the order was coming from way higher up and she just couldn't do anything about it. Um, It was really neat to see the Lord preserve his name, though, um, through that whole situation. Uh, A few days after we got that bad news, um, we traveled up to Southern California. Uh, We were bringing our youth group kids to camp. And while we were there, we met up with a longtime friend and mentor, and he offered Daniel an opportunity to join an internship program that would pay for his schooling and set him up to be a pastor. My husband pitched the idea to me. And um, to be fair, I was pregnant, so I just cried. And I tried to be excited, but I was like, why would we do this? We love our church. We have a great life. We just bought a house. I don't I don't know about this, but um, long story short, we now live at Camp Ironwood. And we are wrapping up our internship. Uh, moving up to Ironwood, it was one of the most difficult decisions we ever made. Uh, mostly because we loved our church there in Phoenix. If you're ever in Santan Valley... Go to Berean Baptist Church Sunday morning, and you will feel like you have come home. It is a beautiful place to be. Uh, Our decision, it was just followed up by this really tricky season for me personally. And here's why. Um, I had agreed to come to Southern California for all the reasons my husband proposed, but only under the unstated assumption that we were going to go back to Arizona after his education was complete. We were going to go right back to normal, comfortable life. And honestly, that was a viable possibility. Our church was eager to have us come back. They said they would love it. Um, It was a real opportunity that we were hoping would happen. But for me, it was the only plan I was okay with. I was okay with my husband being an assistant pastor at a well-established church. I was okay with him getting his Master's of Divinity, but I was not okay with risk, discomfort, unknowns, distance from what I loved and knew. To make the rest of the story make sense, I need to do like a quick flashback to our college days. My husband and I, we traveled on a missions team of sorts all around the Western United States. And two things happened in our hearts while we were traveling there. We fell in love with the West. I just love the West. If you're in the East, I'm 
I'm not sorry because that's probably where God wants you, but really come visit us. We have big skies, mountains, sunset. There's just a fierce ruggedness to the West. It's just big and, and we love it. We love the West. Um, but we also saw that there is a desperate need for gospel light here in the West. We met lots of lonely pastors. We saw a lot of towns with very, uh, very few churches. So we knew after those days of traveling that we love the West and we wanted to stay in the West and help churches, whatever that meant. And like I said above, I'm pretty quick to avoid leaps of faith. Uh, my husband, not so much. My husband is a mountain biker. He's He loves adrenaline and good adventures. I like reading books. And while we were traveling around the West, he caught a burden for church planting. He was open to doing other things, um, but this really became a vision of his. Uh, what is church planting? In case you're unfamiliar with that term or you like sort of know what it means, let me give you a quick little, here's how I would explain it. Um, okay, have you ever, this really only applies to moms, but have you ever like looked at your kid and been like, I, that's a person that I grew in my body. Like, now, of course, God arranged the circumstances in the DNA, but I was a part of creating a human and that human is going to go out and do something for the world. Like planet Earth will not be the same because my little human is here now. I'm not trying to force my kids into the presidency or whatever, but I'm really hoping they go out and do something for the kingdom, for the world. Um, It's just a really cool thing to be a part of. To me, this is kind of what church planting is like. It's like being a part of something that will truly change the world. A church plant is like, it's like this tiny new beacon of hope in a dark place. It's like a little baby born in the most hopeless of times. It's like a sliver of light in the world of darkness. The church is where people are going to be truly changed. It's where they see God at work. Um, It's where they can see him changing lives. This is where it's at. It's his church. He calls it his bride, his beloved. And being a part of a church plant, a new church where there wasn't one before, it's like it's like midwifing a people of Christ into the world. I'm sorry if that offended any men that are listening. Um, it's just a metaphor I came up with. It's exciting. And um, and we're excited to be a part of that, of a, of a new light going out in a community that's very dark. So my husband, he has the passion and the skill set for this to happen, but he had a wife who was just really more interested in comfort than anything else, and that just had to change. Uh, Nevada came onto our radar about a year into our time in Southern California, and I was like, what is Reno? Where is that? It sounds like dinky Las Vegas. Um, We're not going to do that, (laughs) but uh, there was something really attractive about this whole Reno, Nevada thing that we had um, just kind of come to unearth. The model of church planting happening in the city, the church planting model we're joining, it just fits our family really well and our skill sets. So instead of one guy going alone and just making that happen, we're going to the city with four pastors from day one. Four pastors to share the work, to meet and engage the city. This is for personalities, to relate to the people who come. This is for skill sets, for passions, like one passion, but for, you know what I mean, four passions, four hearts. It's not just us. And um, we're really excited about that model. Um, Teamwork is just kind of how we roll. (laughs) We're not really 
rogue go it aloneers um i'm actually going to have my husband on in my next episode to chat more about his burden for church planting but so i'm not going to get too much into that right now but i just want to share with you how the lord brought me around to this um to get me excited about it because like i said i'm no one special and if he can win out in my heart he can win out in yours so we heard about this reno nevada thing and my husband started asking questions and getting to know the team and over time it just became more and more apparent that this was the right thing for our family but i was so stuck i was just stuck i couldn't get where i wanted to be heart change is hard i don't know if you've ever found yourself in a place like i i want that i want to quit that sin i want to love jesus more but i just like i can't make it happen i can try to pull myself up by my bootstraps and work really hard and try but it's just not working i need help i need god and that's really where i found myself i wanted to want to go to nevada but i couldn't even get there sometimes i just i just didn't want it lots happened in that year there were tears there were discussions a lot of heated moments i shouldn't say a lot of heated moments there were heated moments (laughs) Uh, it's difficult to me and for me to admit, but it was kind of, it was probably the hardest year of our marriage. And here's why. My husband loved me too much to let me settle for a life of comfort. He wants me to be a courageous soldier of Christ. So he's he doesn't want to let me just go for comfort and ease. But he also loved me too much to force me into this. He was really determined to give me the space to let me grow in, into his dreams and that waiting period, there was some friction. And I, I wanted to follow Christ and support my husband and the dreams God had given him. But I just found myself riddled with fear and uncertainty. In December, about four months before we made our final decision, I was remembering a conversation I had had with one of my mentors and replaying it in my head. I had been discussing all this stuff with her and she was just trying to help me digest and process all of it. And I had this really poignant moment. I was sitting on an airplane on the way to my brother's wedding and I was trying to sleep because I don't like airplanes very much and I had this thought, okay, you want to be a Christian, but you don't want to suffer anything, you don't want to make any sacrifices, and you always want to be comfortable. How's that going to work? Have you read the New Testament? Because a life of faith, while it has rich rewards, it's not easy. Uh, Think of the words of Christ, take up your cross and follow me, your cross lose your life, die to yourself. This is what it takes. Incidentally, I had fallen in love with Shane and Shane's beautiful arrangement of Psalm 130. I shouldn't say incidentally. It was no mistake. The Lord worked in this. I'm just recognizing right here that I'm not attempting to exegete Psalm 130 or plummet's depths. You could make like 17 sermons out of Psalm 130. But it's so beautiful. And the concept of waiting on the Lord, it's just kind of where I camped through the year. Let me read it to you. Out of the depths I cry to you, O Lord. O Lord, hear my voice. Let your ears be attentive to the voice of my pleas for mercy. If you, O Lord, should mark iniquities, O Lord, who could stand? But with you there is forgiveness that you may be feared. I wait for the Lord. My soul waits. And in his word I hope. My soul waits for the Lord more than a watchman for the morning, more than a watchman for the morning. O Israel, Hope in the Lord, for with the Lord there is steadfast love, and with him is plentiful redemption, and he will redeem Israel from all his iniquities. Isn't that beautiful? I just love that song. 
I studied it out and I tried to like grasp like what does this mean and it kind of became my cry to the Lord what does it mean to wait on you it sounds so beautiful but I I don't get it like what am I waiting for um <clears throat> the timing a few days before we went up to Reno to officially meet the other three pastors like we had met them virtually but we were all going to be in the same place and um, my husband and I we had a conversation in our living room and I told my husband I was really tired and exhausted of this tension and I was tired of the fear and the hesitation and I just didn't want to do it anymore I told him I can't lie to you I don't really want to do this but I love you and I want to obey Christ so here's what I can promise you I will not harden my heart I will not go to the city expecting to hate it I will try to love this I will try to fall in love with this dream I will obey and so we prayed together and we left the next day the timing of our arrival in the Reno Valley it was like weirdly perfect the sun was like just going down, which is my favorite time of the day. And Reno is tucked into the crags of the Sierra Nevadas. You're just driving through the wilderness and then there it is. And the light made the city look so beautiful. It was like sparkly. And um, yeah, I remember sitting there and the war is starting. Like, hate it. Just say no. Despise it. Or no, I'm going to love it. I'm going to open my heart and I'm going to try to be on board with this. I don't know if you've ever experienced that kind of emotional battle, but by the mighty grace of God, I remember making intentional choices to be true to my promise to my husband and what I knew was right before God and I obeyed. I took a step. The steps were small. They were messy. <laughs> For the next three days, I just tried to keep saying yes and ask questions and just... I tried to catch a vision for the city and, and love the dreams of my husband and lots of weird things happened that weekend. Uh, we met a music pastor and his wife. We went to one of the local churches on Sunday and they took us out to lunch, but they had no idea who Daniel and I were. Like they didn't know we were music people. Um, and she told me, I had I had heard about her before because they had met, it's kind of a long story, but um, she was a piano teacher, which can mean anything from like, I teach two piano or two neighborhood kids piano to like full on piano studio. And um, when we settle in Reno, I would, I'm, I will probably start my own piano studio again because that's what I did in Arizona and I really loved it. So I was really curious what the music teaching scene was like in Reno. And she, come to find out, she is on the state board of the Nevada Music Teachers Association. Legit studio, two grand pianos, and she could answer all my questions that I had about teaching music in Reno. It was really fun. Uh, we had some other questions. We wanted to explore the city. The coffee shops were amazing, which was high on my priority list. Just being honest. <laughs> uh, Reno has a Steinway piano gallery, back to the music thing. Normally, if you go into a piano gallery and you don't want to buy a piano, they don't really have time for you. But for some reason, the sales lady there, she was so warm and welcoming. And she's like, I hope you move here. She was Russian. She's so cute. She's like, I hope you move here. I think you'll do great in the city. And so that was fun to hear. Uh, another like super not significant thing, but it was just, it just made me smile. We visited their local bookstore and it had a creaky floor. I just feel like all good bookshops should have a creaky floor and it did. So, uh, totally not significant, but it was fun. Uh, they had a great mountain biking community. Reno has 300 days of sunshine, but four seasons. Um, it's not a dinky Las Vegas. I was wrong. So if that's what's in your brain. It's not. <laughs> um, we met some pastors in the area and they shared their passion to reach the city and kind of gave us an idea of how dark it is. Reno is what the second most unchurched 
city in America, and I'm going to forget the source of that. But when I bring my husband on next episode, we will talk about that. <laughs> um, it's a needy place. It's dark. And I kind of saw firsthand the need for the city. Very unchurched, very little gospel light. We were praying with the team on one of those nights, and even though I had been working really hard to climb on board, it was still such a battle, and I couldn't get over that hump of hesitation. On the way home, my husband and I, we talked it all over, and it was a really hard conversation. I'm not going to share all the details. It was pretty personal, but um, the final, I guess, hallmark moment in the story, it went like this. I told him, my husband, I know this is the right thing to do, and I think you need to tell the team that we're on board and we're coming, but I'm asking for some space to just digest this and process this. If, if you can give me the space, let's do it. Let's go. Um, still really reluctant, so I had to be honest. I still need space, but I know this is right. Let's do it. After some more discussion, he agreed, and um, I don't know how to explain it, but the burden, it just it just lifted like the fight was over and even though I asked Daniel for for the space to mourn and struggle and process and keep working through it I honestly haven't needed it yet and I am not delusional I know church planting is hard just saying um I know going someplace new is hard I've done it before um I know I will miss my home in Phoenix but something clicked at that moment and the fight was just over God just like gave me a tenacity to just be okay with it and persevere, even though though I, I know there are more tears and hard moments ahead. And here's my encouragement that I want to give you through my story. When we moved to Ironwood, I, I obeyed God. I followed my husband, but I kind of had my own like agenda and I wasn't really honest with myself about it. And consequently, I wasn't honest with my husband and it created a lot of problems. And I don't know how I could have done that differently. It was just one of those things I had to grow through. I wasn't like setting out to be deceptive or like, I, I just, I didn't, I, w- I just wasn't honest with myself and um, I'm okay with this. Like I know my, the Lord doesn't condemn me. Romans 8, 1, there's no condemnation to those who are in Christ Jesus. My husband doesn't condemn me. I just, I had to get through it and learn from it and, and it's all good. But when we made the decision to move to Nevada, I found myself in a really similar position, afraid and reluctant, just craving comfort, missing friends and family. Um, But this time I was honest with myself about it and honest with my husband. And if you will just take time to read the Psalms, you will find full permission to be honest with God about every emotion on your radar. Sometimes you read the Psalms and you're like, oh my soul, King David, you're a mess. Uh, But you know what? Talk with God about everything. By his grace, I wasn't willing to like stay in that spot of fear even though I felt so stuck and it took a lot it took a lot of his grace to get me to the other side but I by those small steps of just being willing to say yes and and try to climb on board with my husband's dream um, the Lord honored that there were moments where my fear made me honestly childish and and skittish over that long year <laughs> um, there were just some ugly moments but um, the Lord went out as I waited on him for his help and his grace. And this is kind of where Psalm 130 comes in. I'm getting to it. Waiting on the Lord is like, it's like this active inactivity, right? It's waiting is active, but you're not doing anything. 
in Psalm 130, it was funny. I was like, how could I illustrate this? And then I'm like, wait a second. The Psalm actually has an illustration in it of what it is like to wait on the Lord. It gives the concept of, it says waiting on the Lord as though a watchman was waiting for, is waiting for the morning. You're supposed to wait on him like that. But I said waiting a lot. So a watchman's job is to like scan the horizon all night long, looking for signs of danger. The entire safety of the city rests on his attentiveness, doesn't it? I mean, that's not a small task. If he was going to zone out or doze off the city, it could be destroyed, right? He has a job to do, but at the same time, he can't go anywhere. He can't multitask. Uh, he can't go into the basement and come up with an alarm system while the city is just sitting there vulnerable. He can't take a power nap. can't take a, a coffee break. He has to stay put and do the boring work of watching the city sleep. And he has to stay put and focused. Imagine, though, being posted all night like that. And you struggle through those long, dark hours to keep yourself awake. And you just sit there. You watch the sparkly, mesmerizing sky. Just knowing that at the earliest scant streaks of the morning, you're going to be relieved of this heavy responsibility to guard the city all alone. And you're just watching for that first crack of dawn to warm the sky. I love that imagery. And what a reward to see the gray night turn into dawn and the sky be painted by the sunrise. And then you hear the footsteps of that next guard coming to relieve you. Just put yourself in that position. What would it be like to guard a city all night long, all alone? And that anticipation for the morning to come just waiting for it. This is the Christian's posture while we seek our God. We do the dutiful, simple, seemingly small tasks all night long, even though we don't always know when the sun is coming up. Don't try to wiggle out of night duty. Sometimes God asks us to go through long nights, long processes, and we want him so badly to come through and give us relief. And when the light of his grace rises on the horizon, so to speak, it is such a relief. And sometimes we have those moments, like I did, of that, it's just, ah, peace, it's over. We still have to go through the fight to obey. Don't forsake your post. Do those small, dutiful steps of obedience, even when you're not sure when the sun is going to rise. So let me wrap this up by saying this. If you're in a spot in your life where you're stuck, whether you're emotionally stalled out, you're stuck on a sin issue you just can't get over, you're stuck in a problem you can't find a solution for, whatever that looks like. If you're stuck, obey today. Don't try to get grace for tomorrow. Don't try to figure out what it means to obey tomorrow. Don't come up with backup plans in case God's plan falls apart. That's like an agitated energy and it won't get you anywhere. Just wait quietly. Obey today. I could not force myself into a position of courage. I was very busy coming up with backup plans and alternative options instead of just doing what it seemed like God was calling us to do. But by his grace, when I opened my heart to him and I was willing to try and moment by moment say yes, to go into the city with a positive outlook instead of a grumbling attitude. These are just small examples from my life. God came through and he lifted that turmoil. I, I can't really explain it other any other way. And if God can do this in my heart, he can do this for you. So I hope that my little story encouraged you. Um, I hope you'll study Psalm 130. It's so rich. 
Um, and I hope you'll learn to wait for him, and I hope you'll come back next week because I'm going to talk a little bit more about church planting with my husband, like I mentioned. Um, he, I guess he'll be my first guest, so that's exciting. I will see you next time. Hey, you made it to the end, or uh, maybe you walked out of the room and I've been talking to your pile of laundry while you take care of your screaming toddler. I get it. That is life sometimes. Anyways, I just think it's such an honor that you would give me a slice of your day. Thanks for letting me speak into your moments. I hope you'll come back for some more because I'm more excited than ever for my next episode where I'll be interviewing my husband about our burden for church planting. I'll see you then.